Welcome Pastor Joseph as he uh, preaches the scriptures to us this morning. Thank you, everybody. Good morning, church. All right. Praise the Lord. In India, whenever we, we come to church, the first thing we're going to say is, praise the Lord. And then the reply would come, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Amen, church. That was really nice. Um, but I am Joseph Sheeran. I am... Uh, um, I live in India. I'm married to Esther, and my, we have four kids. If you can see our picture there, um, not sure, but um, those are my family. Uh, that's my wife, Esther, and I have four kids, Mazi, Yana, Timothy, and Joazer. So we live and serve in India. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was actually here, and we had an interview in one of the rooms here. So I'm really thankful for Pastor Matt to be able to have me here again and to be able to join with you guys this morning. So thank you all for your prayers for India, and thank you for your support. And we are just very grateful for the prayers that you guys have been uh, praying for. So please bear with me um, with my English. I was just telling the story is that, that I, long time ago, probably about 15 years ago, I came to the States. The first time when I came to the States, um, I did not know anybody else. I was a student. But this is the first day after I arrived in America, and I stepped out, and then I went for a walk. The first time when I went for a walk, I saw this person coming towards me. And I'm a foreigner in the land, and this person who is in front of me, who doesn't look like me, is also a foreigner to me. So I, he just went looking at me, how's it going? I was just so excited that there's somebody who wants to talk to me, right? And then I said, oh, it's going great. How are you? And I just turned around. He just kept going. He didn't even look at me. And then I was like, what happened here? And my, some of my friends went, oh, he was just trying to greet you. He was just saying hi to you. So I didn't really understand that, right? And then in the same way, in India, me and my wife, we are sitting and we're having, you know, a get together with all of our pastors, and one of our pastors come to me, and he said, Brother Joseph, me and all the pastors in Kerala are hardly working. And then we were all, when my wife started cracking up, what he meant to say was that all the pastors are hardly, not hardly working, but working hard, because then we were like, we were just like so confused with the language, right? Because Language can be funny, so please bear with my English, and uh, we'd be able to uh, go on together. So I'm, I'm here. I'm here to be able to share the Word of God with you, share a little bit of uh, different stories from, from India, so that it can be a great encouragement for us this morning. Um, I'm actually excited about you know, pastors here. They are you know, the man of God who can actually be able to preach the Word to you. Uh, I'm not going to do an expository preaching, but to be able to share some stories that can encourage us today. All right, let's look back into the, um, into the 1 Corinthians 15, 1-11. So what the, the, the scripture that Pastor Matt has read is about a Paul, Apostle Paul writing the letter to Corinth, right? Corinth is a, a Greek city. In the city... People do not believe in the resurrection of the dead. 
But that's what Paul reminds people about the gospel that he has preached to them. He's saying that the resurrection is the important part of the gospel. That's where all the gospel stands on, is the resurrection. He reminds people that you all believed in it. That's why we have a church, and you have to stand for it. He's saying that the, the gospel is all about the resurrection of Jesus. See, Jesus has been raised from the dead, and he is alive. He actually came and then appeared to people after his death, after he's been raised from the, from the dead. So that's what Paul is reminding people about the, about the scriptures. He's saying it's not just a myth. It's just not some made-up story. But it is a historical fact. And it's also been written in the scriptures. And that's what Paul has been reminding people is that without the resurrection, there is no gospel. Without the gospel, there is no salvation. What is the gospel? The gospel is that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. And he appeared to many people, including Paul. If Christ has not been raised, there is no hope. All gospel proclamation is in vain. Paul also talks about the resurrection in different letters. One of the letters he talks about is Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, 19 to 20, he says that the resurrection is not a myth. It's just not some made-up stories that he, disciples had made it up so that they can show Jesus as Lord. Instead, resurrection is a historical event. People not only witness the resurrection itself, but they have witnessed resurrected Jesus, who conquered the death, and he was able to appear to people in alive. See, the power of God has resurrected Jesus from the dead. There's power, and Greek, they don't really believe in the resurrection of the dead. They don't believe in the power of the gospel. So he's reminding everybody, the church people, is that there is power in the gospel. The power of God also raised Jesus from the dead is also working among you. He's working in us through the Holy Spirit. I have three main points today for us. Talking about the power of God that has raised Christ from the dead is also working in us. And I have each story to go with it from India. I hope this will encourage you. My first point is the power of God will help you withstand any storms in your life, whether it's physical or spiritual. The power of God will help you withstand any storms in your life. I want to talk to you about a spiritual storm. See, there's one example we have been told in Mark 5. Mark 5, when Jesus came to the cave, he saw this man who was possessed with demons, the legends, right? And then the Jesus 
takes them out and curses them into the pigs. And the pigs all go and jump and die. But this man was healed. Scripture says, in his right mind, he put on the clothes. And he came to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, please let me follow you. I want to walk with you. I want to go wherever you are. But it's very interesting. In 19, Jesus says, no. Go back to your own people and tell them what God has done in your life and how God has mercy on you. And then he goes back to his own people and he tells them about Jesus and what God has done in his life. In the same way, we have a story in India, Pastor Peter. He goes to this new village to be able to preach the gospel. When he goes to the village that have never heard the name of Jesus, they have never seen a person talking about Jesus. They worship so many gods and goddesses. But then this pastor goes to this village for the first time, talks about Jesus. Talks about who he is. He says that he is the God of the heaven and earth. He is the God who can forgive our sins. He is the God who has been raised from the dead. He died for your sins on the cross. And he tells and preaches the gospel to people. And then one of the elders, he says, Is your God greater than my God? See, I have this big land. Every year, at the time of planting the crops, I plant my crops. But that night, in my dream, there's this big guy who would come and destroy my crops. And he threatens to kill me if I don't offer him cows and goats and, and then chickens. So I've done so many sacrifices to please this God. But when he destroys my crops in my vision, in my dream, in the morning when I wake up and run to my field, I see all my crops destroyed. And it happened year and year again. I just did not understand. I'm tired of giving up sacrifices. And I have not had a harvest in this nine years. So the pastor says, and then he challenges the pastor and says, Pastor, if your God is greater, can I have harvest this year? If I can get a harvest this year, I will worship Jesus. Then the pastor goes, it doesn't work that way. In order for you to believe in Jesus, you have to place your faith in him. You have to believe in him first. And then God will do a miracle in your life. So they both pray and worship Jesus. And that time of the season when he planted the crops. In, that, in his dream. He has this big guy come to destroy the crops. But then the power of God comes. In this white glory. And kills this guy. Takes a sword and chops this guy into half and destroys him. And then in the morning, he wakes up, he runs to his field, and to be able to see that all the crops that he has been planted are intact. He just gives glory to God, and he goes back to his own village. Then he talks to his own people about Jesus, about what God has done in his life. 
And he invites Pastor Peter and then us to be able to come. And then, and then he, told, he goes, Pastors, God has done such a great miracle in my life. And I'm able to have harvest this year. And because of that, I want to give this land for worshiping Jesus. Could you please build a church among us so that we can worship Jesus? So we went in there. If you can have the picture on here, um, my friend. We went in there and we built the church building among these people groups. These are the unreached people groups of India. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We were able to take the gospel. The power of God still works. He's the same God who is in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. He's the same God today. Hallelujah. We are worshiping the God who is the creator of the heaven and earth. India alone has 2,000 or more unreached people groups. Out of 6,000 unreached people groups around the world. Joshua Project puts it, unreached people groups are the people groups who have not heard the gospel or less than 1% of the population is churched. Our God is a God who can break any spiritual storms in our life. He has empowered Pastor Peter to be able to break that spiritual powers in that season. I want to talk to you about the, the physical storm. People, when you believe in Jesus in India, you can be stripped away the privileges that you have. People go to jail in terms of actually preaching the gospel. There is seven different states that has anti-conversion laws. If you convert to people, you can go to jail. And there is, a, there is people now who wants the same rule in all of the states in India. Most evangelicals now, we are guided by the outside world in. We let the world dictate us what we should be doing in our life. Our joy, our happiness, our love is based on the things around us. But a follower of Jesus always has his anchor placed in Jesus, in the gospel, where he will stand firm in the midst of the storms. Whether it's physical or it's spiritual storms, whether it's any kind of storms that they're going through, they have their trust and faith in the gospel that makes them stand firm because they know that in the midst of their storm that they're going through, that Jesus is with them. Some of us might not be going through the same spiritual storm. Some of us might not be going through the same physical storm. But there is some storm, there are some storms in your life that you are going through, which I don't know. But I want to encourage you today that the power of God will work in you if you believe in the gospel. If you believe in Jesus. The 
My second point is the power of God will help you withstand any persecution you face from sharing the gospel with others. The power of God will help you in the midst of the persecution that if you're going through. When you share the gospel with others. We have pastors when they actually go out to preach the gospel. It comes with a price. There's physical pain. You might go in the jails. We have people go in jails. We, might, we had pastors who actually got tied to a tree. He got beaten up all day long. And then they released him. And they kicked him out of the village and told them, if you ever come back, we're going to kill you. And these are the remote places that there's no 911. You can just call and say, hey, I'm in trouble. Why would you come get me? These are the remote interior places. And then, but he had an opportunity that day that, to preach the gospel to those people. He told them that there's this God who, has, who can forgive our sins. He's, been, he's died for our sins and he's been raised. He preached the gospel to those people and he said, this is the same God who has the power to heal. Who can do miracles in your life. And a year later, there was one family from their village who got, their kid got sick. They went to every hospital. They went to all kinds of black magic and witch doctors. They visited in many tombs and prayed to many gods. And nothing happened. But they remember about this Jesus, about this pastor who came and talked about Jesus. He said that he has the power to raise the dead. And they went to go visit this pastor. And the pastor prayed with him. And the boy get healed. And then the whole family, they go back to their own people. And then they tell them about Jesus. And the pastor got invited to be able to go and preach the gospel to that village. In the same village, he got persecuted. He got, almost got killed. And the whole village now knows about Jesus. They all came to know Jesus and they believed in Jesus. Now we have a church among them worshiping Jesus. Praise the Lord. Our God is a God who is greater than anything we can imagine. For Greeks, it was an unbelief that was stopping in believing Jesus. It was an unbelief that was stopping them to know that Jesus has been raised from the dead. He is the real God. He is alive. Friends, I'm telling you, He is still alive and He is doing great things around the world. John 12, 24 says, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seed. Jesus is calling us the same way. He is asking us to come and die and live. He is asking us to come die to yourself. 
That's the hardest part of being human, right? We don't want to die to ourselves. Everything is about me. It's about me. Everything, what I know. The self-centeredness is the biggest reason that we don't follow God. Because we put ourselves the most high in our hearts, in our lives. But Jesus is saying that, no, that's not how you should live your life. You should die to yourself first before you come follow me. We don't share the gospel just because we want to give out some information. We share the gospel because now we are alive again. We share the gospel because he had died for our sins. He has given us a life that is everlasting. He has given us a life that is in the future. We're going to be with God forever and ever. I want to tell you a story about a pastor, Kumar. He went to this village, new village, to be able to share the gospel. And he's in the entrance of the village. This is the new village that he has never visited. But he wanted to take the gospel to this people group in the deep interior places in India. And he saw at the entrance of the village, there's big entrance, there's a arch, and that's what's tied with chickens, the dead chickens hanging in the entrance village. He didn't know any meaning of it, so he passes through it and then comes to the village. And all of a sudden, he, he sees like five or six guys with machetes and then spears and then surrounds him. And he says, come, sit down here at the stone. And he was confused. Why do they, why you want me to do what, what is that I'm doing right now? I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. But he's so far away from the village in the middle of the nowhere that he doesn't have a cell phone. And he just came through. He went on his, you know, bicycle. He came through that. And then so one of the, the witch leaders came in and said, hey, do you see that chickens? We have a festival every season. And this festival, we worship this god and goddesses where we sacrifice anything that crosses through that chickens. We're waiting for the sacrificial, you know, any animals. So the pastor didn't understand. Why are you telling me this? But then he realized that actually he's the one who is the sacrifice for them. And then they said, we're going to sacrifice you today if you don't pay up. And he said, I'm going to go to my village and come back to you. But they didn't let him go. He said, no, we don't want to let you go. So they let him wait. And then our chief is going to come in the evening, and then we'll decide your fate. But you will be the sacrifice in the evening. The fear came upon him. It was fear. Because at this moment, the life was just flashing in front of him, right? He doesn't have anything else to do. All the wealth that we have, all the things that we have, all the material stuff, stuff that we have, it doesn't matter if the life is going to end right now. For him, all he can think about is his Lord. 
And he was praying, Lord, please give me a chance to preach the gospel to these people. And in the evening come, the chief started walking from that hut towards him. And the spirit of God came upon him. The power of God came upon him. And he started praising God. He started singing songs. When he started singing songs, all of a sudden the chief fell on the floor. And he started fuming. And then he knew there was the power of God. The Holy Spirit is in this place. And his head stood up and he stood up on the rock. And he started singing out loudly. And all the people that were actually with the machetes and spears and then other villages, they came and I said, stop singing, stop singing. Don't you see? Our chief is on the floor. Stop singing. He started singing out loudly. He didn't listen to them. He said, please go away from here. Come back next week and you can tell about your God to our, everybody else. Right now, go away from here. So they kicked him out of the village and then the pastor is so happily goes back home, but comes back after a week. And he shares the gospel with all the people. Now the whole village come to know about this Jesus. And then we have a church plant among them. Praise the Lord. We worship among them now. So it's one of our church plants among these 200 church plants that we did. There's so many stories like that where the power of God has gone before people. Gone with people. Rescuing them from every physical storm. Every physical storm. Every spiritual storm. Every persecution that they are facing. See, every decision you make comes with a price. You may not be going through the same persecution in your life. But when you talk about Jesus at your workplace... You will have persecution. It might not be the same as it goes in India, but there will be a relational isolation. You might lose your friends when you talk about Jesus to them. You might lose your contracts when you talk about Jesus to them. You might lose your job when you talk about Jesus at your workplace. But that's why Jesus is saying, die to yourself. You come and die. And then live. I returned home from one of these places, interior places, where I didn't have communication with my family. We live in the city. And there's no cell phone network. There's no places that I could be able to come. I have to come back all the way an hour in from the main place to be able to come to a place to even call. But I was deep interior. I didn't even call. And I came back home. I, after I returned home, my son, who is only five years old at that time, he told the whole family, he said this. He said, God brought dad back alive because he wants us to believe in him. God wants us to believe in Jesus. He wants us to believe in the power that can take care of you. That brings my third point, is that the power of God will help you 
withstand anything that would distract you from hearing the call of God in your life. There's so many distractions in our life. I don't know what distractions you are going through. It might be about job, wealth, marriage, relationships, workplace, contracts. See, one of the biggest distractions in my life was to be able to have an American dream. The dream I'm talking about is the goal of achieving material prosperity. Came to this country as a student. After my, my time of being a student, I started working. I went back to IT to take care of my family. And when I got into IT, I thought I was late in the game, but I can climb that success. I can climb and achieve that dream of having a car, house, and everything that I wanted. I was so into it, and I said, no, I don't want to go back to my own people. I want to live a life. I want to just dream for having material stuff. But God spoke to me. One time he said this, and I heard this on the radio. He said, God will always change your position in order to fulfill his mission in your life. God will change your position not to make you rich, but to be able to have his mission fulfilled through you. I wanted to be a manager and then be able to be, climb another level of success. But he changed my position to be able to go back to my own people and tell them about Jesus. First Thessalonians says 2.8, it says, Having so fallen an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own life. Because you had become very dear to us. God is inviting you and I to be able to take our very own life for the gospel. We have to be able to tell others about this gospel where the power of God will help you be able to do that when you only say yes to him. The call of God in Isaiah's life happened when he practiced that presence of God. The famous verse, we have read it so many times from Isaiah 6, 8. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. I like how Oswald Chambers puts it this way. God did not direct his call to Isaiah. Isaiah overheard God saying, who will go for us? The call of God is not just for a select few, but for everyone. Whether I hear God's call or not depends on the condition of my ears. And exactly what I hear depends upon my spiritual attitude. Many are called, but few are chosen. That is, few prove that they are the chosen ones. 
The chosen ones are those who have come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ and have had their spiritual condition changed and their ears opened. Then they hear the voice of the Lord continually asking, who will go for us? However, God does not single out some, someone and say, now you go, now you go. He did not force his will on Isaiah. Isaiah was in the presence of God, and he overheard the call. His response performed in complete freedom. Could only be to say, here I am, send me. Remove the thought from your mind of expecting God to come to force you or to plead with you. When our Lord called his disciples, he did it without irresistible pressure from the outside. The quiet yet passionate insistence of his follow me was spoken to men whose every sense was receptive. If we will allow the Holy Spirit to bring us face to face with God, we too will hear what Isaiah has heard. The voice of the Lord, in perfect freedom, we too will say, here I am, send me. What about you? Do you want to know more about God's power? Do you want to experience his power working in and through you? If so, I encourage you to live your life in the presence of God. If you never believed in Jesus, this is the time for you to do it. Because he is the God who can save your sins. He has come for us. That's what Paul reminded us. He has come for us and died for our sins. And he has been raised again. And he is alive. If unbelief is your main problem, God is saying believe in him. Believe in the gospel. If you're going through the storm or you're facing persecution or if you're distracted from your calling, I encourage you to return in believing in the gospel. The power of God will help you in the midst of the problems that you're going through in the midst of the persecution that you're going to be in, in your distractions in your life, that he's going to help you to focus on the call that he has for you in your life. What areas of life do you need God's power right now? I encourage us to be able to take a moment and think about those areas in your life where God's power is ready to come and be with you when you believe in the gospel. When you believe in the Jesus, your anchor is firm in him. And he is saying he's going to take care of those storms. He's saying that he's going to be with you in the midst of that persecution. He's saying I'm going to clear the distractions in your life so that you can listen to me clearly. But are you willing to say, here I am, 
Lord, send me. It's bowed on our head, and as we continue to, to seek God's power, I want to encourage us to be able to go into communion. On that night before he betrayed, God took bread, and he said, this is my body. And he took the blood, and he said, this is the, took the wine, and he said, this is my blood. As long as you participate in this, you will remember me, and you will remember the new covenant. When you participate in it, when you believe in Jesus, you're going to be with him forever. Let's all take the bread and the blood together. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm just so thankful for your grace. Lord, thank you for the power that you have given to us that is working in us. Thank you for the assurance that you are here with us and with our all the year long. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you have brought us here to be able to Believe in the gospel is to be able to believe in Jesus. Lord, I pray that the people who are going through the storms right now, going through any distractions in their life, going through any kind of persecution in their life, I pray that your power would redeem them. Your power will be with him. In Jesus' name, amen.